Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Thank you so much for joining us for the 23rd episode of Doing Divorce Different. I'm your host, attorney Lisa Koski, and we are going to learn all the things about step families and blending families together from the renowned Ron Deal. So if you are a step parent or have kids and are thinking about even just starting dating, this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you have kids and are divorced and are thinking about dating, you need to listen to this. This interview is extra special to me. I get the opportunity to ask questions to the renowned Ron Deal. He is one of the most widely read and viewed experts on blended families. And you can find him at smartstepfamilies.com. Ron is going to share key information about step family life and how you can prepare even in the beginning stages of dating. And I'm telling you, the caliber of this faith-filled man is palpable. And I felt so blessed that he agreed to be on our podcast per a listener's request. And, you know, in the beginning of this episode, when he shares his authentic story and he talks about the loss of his middle son when he was just 12 years old, my heart ached and was so sorry for the loss that Ron and his wife and family went through. And at the same time, I am so thankful that Ron has used his pain in many different productive ways. And one of them being the gifts of his teachings for blended families. So stay tuned. I promise you are going to love this episode. Welcome, friends. I am so excited for today's episode for so many reasons. Um, You know, sitting with me is Ron Deal, the world-renowned expert on blending families. And one of the reasons I'm really excited to have Ron here is that I actually had a listener request that I have Ron on as a guest, and I've never had that happen before. And this particular listener lives in Texas. She's part of a blended family, and she works at her church. And help, you know, uses your books, you're the author of many books, to help support people going through, you know, blending families together. And I know a lot of my listeners, whether they're in the beginning of their divorce, the middle or the end, have concerns when they start thinking about their future and what's it going to look like and can I get remarried and and. I've been, you know, kind of, I always like to learn more about my guests before they come on. And I've been following Ron. And I think one thing that I've learned is it's not easy. And it makes me really appreciate um, 
you know, what people go through. But Ron, yeah. I am so thankful that you answered my email and that <laughs> request of that listener and that you are here. I can hardly believe it. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Lisa, thank you. It's it's a real honor to be here. And I'm glad that you asked and thankful to that listener who suggested me too. Uh, that you yeah, me it's on open, the program. Open me up a lot. But this is what I want you to know. One and one of my favorite things about my podcast is really getting to know the authentic person that sits here with me. Mm -hmm. And I know some things about you, but I don't really know your story and mm -hmm. what made you the world-renowned expert in blending families. Like what led you down this trail? Yeah, well, I'm happy to tell you. Um, I got to tell you up front, it's kind of anticlimactic. You know, a lot of people ask me that question and they're thinking, okay, what's the secret sauce? What's the story behind the story? And, you know, as a professional, there's a lot of situations and circumstances that you work with that you haven't necessarily lived yourself. Um, that's my story. Uh, my wife says I'm the male obstetrician of the step family world, which I just think is hilarious <laughs> because we had three boys and we all had three, we had three male obstetricians. And some of your listeners right now are going, yeah, why did I go to that guy? He doesn't right. know anything about carrying a baby. You're right. He doesn't. He doesn't have any of that experience. But what he does have is a little knowledge about the process. You know, he can be objective about it. He understands the nature of carrying a child and what the child needs and child development, all that stuff. And that's the perspective that that male obstetrician really helps you from. That's my journey. I started as a youth pastor and working with kids, and some of them had troubled situations in life and family circumstances. And real fast, I learned I didn't know enough about their family to really understand how to help them. So I went back to graduate school, got a degree in marriage and family therapy, and didn't want to just be a family therapist. I really wanted to do prevention, you know, enrichment of family mm -hmm. life and prevent problems from even developing. And so I started down the road. Um, now, 30 some years ago of doing marriage enrichment and parent training. And hey, I thought we needed to work with single parents and their families and try to equip them to do parenting well as a single mom or single dad. And you know what? We should work with step families too. Because as a clinician, I had been very successful in working with step families. I'd actually had some really good training. I didn't realize that a lot of people who go through school to become a counselor really don't get the kind of training I got in graduate school. And so I took what I knew as a therapist and I started applying it to education, prevention, enrichment. How do we help families prevent problems from ever developing? Long story short, I found myself doing step family ministry when nobody else was. I didn't realize I was kind of starting, but I was and, and just, you know, felt like the Lord helped me. I felt like I found a few other people who gave me some guidance. I did some postgraduate specialized study in working with step families. Um, and over time, I just grew to love it. And I found myself not in the middle of having my own step family journey. I don't. But learning a lot from an outside point of view about how I can help. I wrote my first book that's turned into nine books. We now have a Family Life Blended podcast. We now have online courses. We now have video series. We now have two live events every year. It's just kind of fun and crazy what has come about as a result of all of this. Um, I will tell you this. Um, I do know something about suffering. Uh, my wife and I lost our middle son, Connor, when he was 12. I do know what it is to be a dad and have a tremendous amount of pain. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we watched our son get sick and in 10 days die. That changed my life. It still has changed my life. My wife and I still volunteer to this day with a ministry that helps parents who have lost children. We lead a support group on a regular basis because that is our life. I tell you something, I've learned something about when life throws you a curve and you didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. How do you cope? How do you deal with that? How do you find, how do you, how do you make sense out of the, the, the senseless and move forward? I know a number of your listeners know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about because they that, found themselves in a divorce in a bad situation. They never asked for, never wanted, or sometimes you did choose it, but you still didn't choose all the consequences that came with it. Like you, yeah. you would prefer not to be in the circumstance you're in. I get that. I, I am living that. And so there's some things about blended family living, marriage, parenting, suffering and loss and grief. I really get from the inside. There's a lot of it I don't get from the inside, but I do try to just offer some help and guidance from the outside. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's touching and that, and that makes sense. And what I want you to know too, is that now I know why I was drawn to you too. Um, I also have a similar background where I've been mm. married for 30 years okay. and I my, spend my life and I feel like it is my calling. I mean, I have, I studied a John Maxwell book and I figured this out <laughs> and um, you know, so yes, I've been through some difficult things in my life. I haven't been through a divorce mm-hmm. and I think that's why I have such a hunger to learn and to help people. And um, so we have that in common. Yeah, we do. And I like yep. that. I yeah. like that. So thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you from the bottom of my heart for sharing that. Um, and now, since we know you a little bit better and we all trust you, can you give us some tips and tools? So especially like for people who are even maybe just starting to date. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got to keep those kids in their heads even yeah. during that process. Right. Well, I, you know, I've written a couple of books, so I, I, I'm happy to share some thoughts with you. In case somebody wants to dig deeper, let me just encourage you. Uh, One of the books I wrote is called Dating and the Single Parent. I don't know if anybody will ever see this, but Dating and the Single Parent. They will, and we will have all that too in the show notes. You have so many helpful books. So Dating and the Single Parent kind of walks you from, wow, you're even just beginning to think about dating. Uh, You're not even doing it yet. Do I even want to go there? That's the first chapter, right? Then it follows all the way through till making decisions about marriage and getting engaged. How do you include the kids? What's the process? How is dating different when there's kids involved? Yours, the other person's, both, whatever this case may be. What are you looking for in the other person? Not just in a person, but also in their life, their family, that they're, you're going to marry the whole family, right? You're going right. to marry their ex-spouse. Hey, let's start with that principle, Lisa. When you're dating again, and one or both of you has children, you're not just dating a person. You're in effect, dating for the purpose of figuring out whether or not you could live with, till death do you part, right. this person and everything they bring with them. I think that's that's right off the bat something that single parents need to hear well, because and- if you don't, then you you pursue dating in a fantasy world. And I hate to just say it that way, but I'm just being blunt. Right. Like If you just think it's about you and one other person, it's not. It's about marrying everything that they bring with them. And what struck me about what you said is that it's so also important that the person you're dating understands 
how important they know your yeah. kids are and how mm -hmm. you're a package. That's right. That's right. That's and it jumped out at me. And if you can't marry the package or they can't marry your package, you shouldn't get married. Right. I, I mean, not today anyway. I mean, I, what I say to people and say in the book is continue to date, continue to work towards something, but just go at it with an understanding, both eyes open. There's an old, um, I think it's a Jamaican phrase that says before marriage, keep both eyes open and after marriage, keep one eye shut. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? That's some good advice. See, I love it when I get marital advice. That's there so you go. Good. There's something in there for all of us, right? I'm becoming a better wife. Yes. Uh, but before marriage, have both eyes open. I think a lot of people honestly date with both eyes shut. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of like I need you to be the person. Uh, I love the line in the movie um, with Tom Cruise and oh, yes. uh, you know, uh, I just lost track. What's the name of the movie? Anyway, she says, "I love him for the man he almost is." Hey, hey, that's that's a lousy arrangement right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to regret that for loving them for who they almost are. No, no, right. no, no. Who are they and what are they bringing with them? So in the book, one of the chapters we have is green lights, yellow lights and red lights. Like when should you stop? When is it yellow? Just pause. Just take a good look mm -hmm. before continuing forward. Check out a few things. There's some there's some there's lists in there of ideas and things you should be mindful of. So I'll just give you a couple of examples. That's what I was going to ask, especially the red light thing. Yes, That's yes, yes. Let's curiosity. talk yellow, yellow and red here. Um, you know, if you said to the average person, look, OK, if you're dating this man or this woman and they're an alcoholic who gambles all the time and has one hundred thousand dollars in debt, You'd probably go, okay, that's not the silhouette of the kind of person I think I want to marry myself to. Yes, that, that's pretty obvious. There's a red light, mm -hmm. okay? But here are the red lights that I think go unrecognized for a lot of people. And again, I'm not, please hear my heart on this. I, I wrote this book because for years and years and years, I worked with blended families who said to me things like, why didn't anyone ever tell us this before we got married? <laughs> So I thought, you know, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to tell people the stuff they need to know before they get married, and then they can make better choices, wise, eyes open, two eyes open choices about moving forward, about decisions for marriage. And so sometimes people accuse me of trying to spoil their fun or ruin <laughs> their life or, you know, I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm actually here to protect you. I'm actually here trying to help you make the better choices that are going to be right for you and your kids. And so please just hear this from an objective point of view. So a red light is what if you're marrying somebody, you're dating somebody who has a seriously difficult ex-spouse relationship. They've been married before. They've got the ex-spouse from hell. To, I've had people say to me, well, it's okay. You know, that they, they live over there and we're over here and the kids move between homes and it won't bother us. That, that is so nearsighted, I can't even begin to tell you. You are marrying yourself to the ex-wife or ex-husband from hell. That's what you're doing. Now, yeah. you can do that, but don't go into it complaining that they right. can pick up the phone and change your finances because you married yourself to that. Don't complain that they teach the kids values and behaviors and give them boundaries or no boundaries and then send them over to your house and then your stepchildren uh, show your biological children things that you would have never taught your kids. And it's all because the other household has a different value set. than you. you knew that you need to decide, am I willing to marry this and have my kids be influenced by this on a regular basis? 
To me, that's a yellow light for sure. And it might just be a red light. That's what I was just going to see. You're answering these right when they come to my mind. I was wondering, is that a red, red light or yellow? So it's, it's at least yellow, right? You start off looking at it as yellow to say, all right, I got to be careful. And what does yellow flashing lights mean when you're driving on the highway? Slow down, take a good look around, make some good decisions before just, you don't just barrel through an intersection with a yellow flashing light. You don't do that. So you need to just slow down, take a good look, wait and see if things can improve. Sometimes because of your influence, because of a new relationship, yes, sometimes things get better. Let me give you another example. If you're dating somebody who is a terrible parent, and I'll just, again, just be candid. They're a terrible parent. And maybe they have some teenagers or young adults who are, you know, demonstrations of how poor the parenting was. They have really difficult lifestyles. They've made really hard decisions. There's tons of consequences going on in those children's lives. You're going to marry yourself to all the problems that they bring. And you're marrying somebody who doesn't really know how to parent your kids either. If you have your children, right. like that's, a serious yellow light. It may actually be red. Can it change? I don't know. Keep dating. See if the other person can become a better parent. Can they begin to make changes with their own biological children? Can they begin to set boundaries they've never set before with their own kids? That would be awesome. If you see that kind of growth, then great. Move on. If you don't see that sort of growth and you just constantly are faced with, they can't do it. They won't do it. I'm not so sure I want to be connected at that intimate level to this sort of a family experience. Then it's, it's a yellow light that just turned red. Can I ask you a question? Um, so the, the step parent, mm -hmm. um, what type of role or does it totally depend on the family? Do they have in parenting? Mm, yeah. when, I mean, and I, you know, my untrained mind, I thought, well, if he's really bad at parenting, he's not really going to parent my kids anyway. Yeah. So yeah. tell me a little about that. Well, okay. So you're bringing up a good point. Let me just say some things about step parenting in general and then come okay. back to that specific question. Um, so again, we have a number of resources. People really want to dive into this. Yes. The Smart Step Family is probably the most comprehensive book to talk a lot about uh, all these things that we're, we're addressing, but especially the parenting piece. So the research is really clear that the best role for a step parent in general on day one, when they walk into uh, children's lives is to sort of be like a babysitter. Uh, my wife is a teacher. I can tell you on the first day of school, Mrs. Deal can tell the children to sit down and be quiet and they do it because they love Mrs. Deal. Nope. Has nothing to do with a the relationship. They do it because she's the person in charge in this space. Yeah. By the way, this is an important little tool for step parents to understand. Children understand different levels of authority in their world. They get it. They have teachers, they have count counts coaches and on the soccer field and they have camp counselors who tell them for a week, you know, I'm in charge. I'm I'm 19, I'm in college and I know nothing about life, but I'm in charge of you for the next 6 days. And they pretty much listen to the camp counselor. Like kids get it. They have babysitters, they get it. Right. But they also know the difference between a babysitter and a coach on a soccer field and my mom. Those are very different things. The problem comes when a step parent says, no, I'm not the coach on the soccer field. I'm your dad. And you're gonna love me like your dad. You're gonna honor me like your dad. You're gonna respect me with that level of respect. Oh, and I'm pretty much moving into the dad place in your heart and I'm pushing your biological dad out. 
Now we got all kinds of big problems because that is an honored position and place in a child's heart. And the only way you get there is by earning it, mm-hmm. earning the right to be there. And the child lets you in. They decide if you will have a role of significance in their heart. In the meantime, you can on day one be a teacher on the first day of school. You can say, oh, I'm sorry. Everybody cleans up their own mess in the kitchen. Like, because that's a general expected rule in the household. If your mother were here, she would make you clean up your own mess. I'm here. I'm going to make you clean up your own mess. I'm an extension of your mom and the authority that is offered from her to me. That's the way babysitters work. They don't have their own authority. They just live on borrowed power for a couple of hours in the evening. It works. Step parents who have that sort of a posture, who respect the child, and respect their connections to their biological dad. If you're the stepdad to the biological dad who's not here with us right now, you respect that relationship. Then, you know, generally speaking, you can get along. But it's when you come in and you try to be the replacement person. And now you're trying to do really hard things. Like, you know, the rules have always been your bedtime was this. Well, I'm going to change them to that. Your mom always lets you drive the car this many hours a week or to this events or what. Nope, I'm taking the keys and you're not doing like those are game changer decisions that work against the step parents relationship with the kids and your authority. But over time, what happens is sort of like making a new friend you don't disclose intimate stuff with a new friend on day one. You, right. you, you, you spend a lot of time together and then you get to know each other and you trust each other. And then you get more connected in your relationship. Same thing's true with step parenting. Over time, you deepen your relationship and you gain more influence and authority in a child's life. That's if you have time, right? If you're a step parent right. and you come into a 19 year old's life who's in college well, you get a couple of months a year, like of time, like it, that slows everything down. Plus they're mm-hmm. trying to move on with their life. They're not really worried about coming home. They're, they're thinking up and out, not down and in. And so that changes the dynamic. But if we're talking a six-year-old who's with you 24 yeah. seven, who just loves people, well, you can bond and connect and become a father figure or a mother figure in that child's life very quickly, but you still have to earn it, right? Okay, so having said all of that, let me just speak to that specific question of, well, if you're a bad parent, big deal. You're not, I'm not going to let you parent my kids anyway. Yeah, true, but (laughs) you wouldn't let a stranger just come live in your living room and hang out with your kids. Why? Because they're going to influence your children, the way they live their life, the values that they live their life on indirectly are training your children how they talk, how they interact, how they communicate, you know, who they are as a person, their character fundamentally sends all kinds of messages to your children about life and about what's important. And they are teaching even indirectly all the time. Do they love well or do they just want everybody to love and serve them? You know, those are two totally different parent figures. So even though they might not hand down discipline or take away the car keys, they're going to be influencing your children in very significant ways. And especially the younger they are, they will probably have a closer relationship as time goes on. You know, and it's interesting because I think I did hear you talk in one of your podcasts and I, I it hit home um, how this affects adult kids too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Oh my goodness, because I wish I would have had your information available mm-hmm. um, when, so my husband's mom passed away Okay, and his dad was 
um, you know, a pretty good age <laughs> and yeah. he remarried. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of, he was from that era of, we don't really talk about it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I am telling you, it was hard for me. It was extremely difficult for my husband. And I think if he could have understood that that's normal, that he, yes. that's not, it's okay that he felt that way. Yes. And um, if we could have had some tools to work through that, we probably all would have felt better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's behind us now. So live and learn. But it, yes, it's hard. It's, it's traumatic on. It him. is. Of all ages. It is of all ages um, because your husband, right, mm -hmm. is grieving the loss of his mom. Yep. And when his dad marries again, now he's grieving the loss of his idea of what family is. Yep. I don't know my place. I go back to my mom and dad's house, but it's not mom and dad's house anymore. Right. It's their house. And she's changed the decor. And somehow mom's been removed in some ways. Or Thanksgiving's never going to be the same. Or Christmas. Like now there's. 15 more people. She brings her adult children and her grandchildren right. to Christmas. And like all of a sudden I barely get my dad because he's spending time with his step grandchildren. Um, who are these people to me? Now I don't have access to my dad. Mm -hmm. Everybody is spread a little more thin than they used to be. This is a change for everyone. The idea, again, we got to attack this notion. Again, I'm not against marriage and forming blended families. I'm actually in favor of it when it's done really well. It right. helps children. It helps adults. It can be a, you know, a second chance on life, second chance on love. It can bring a lot of blessing to the people in those families. But here's the thing, Lisa, if it's not done with intentionality and it's not done well, it brings more chaos into right. the life of adults and children, children well, especially. And I think I read in one of your books, I didn't get all the way through it, that, um, you can actually mitigate. I mean, there's so many scary mm -hmm. statistics about mm -hmm. how divorce affects kids. Yeah, no, this is good news. Let me get this out because you're right on something. Step families done well actually mitigate the negativity of the biological parents' original divorce in the life of a child. That is great news. I call that redemptive news on I, behalf I, of I children. Yes. It has a huge blessing over people. That is a long-term outcome, not a short-term outcome, meaning the family has to meld together, the kids, the step-parent, the step-siblings come together over time. And this often takes years for it to really, for the, the blessing to mature. But when it happens, it's fantastic. Um, now, let me just pull back for a second and also share another truth that I think is important to say to some of your listeners who are still single. Don't hear what I just said and think, you or, or feel pressure to marry again and give your kids that. Because the research also shows that children who grow up in strong single parent homes do just as well as kids who grow up in healthy blended family homes. There's not a huge, massive uh, advantage one way or the other. The advantage comes if between children in a healthy blended family and children in an unhealthy blended family. Now there's advantage to those kids who live in a healthy home. Right. But single parents who go, oh, but my kids don't have a dad. My kids don't have a mom. I need to marry a dad for my kids. Right. Well, first of all, let me just say something. You're not marrying a dad for your kids. You're marrying a stepdad for your kids. And he will not have the same relationship, the same authority, the same influence that a biological dad will. 
He can be a great person in your child's life. He can bring some blessing. That will be seen with time. The two of them, kids and adult, will have to figure this out together. And life will have to show us what kind of relationship they will have. But the idea that you're replacing what has been lost by getting married is flat wrong. And I, I think that is a big mistake that I really want to help single parents hear. You don't have to feel that pressure. Like the best thing to do is to be a good parent. Right. Do right by your kid. Do the best you can. Get some help from grandma and, and your uncle and, you know, and your best friend who fills in the gap every now and then and have somebody you that's sort of your parent confidant that you talk through hard parenting decisions with behind closed doors. And then maybe that's a, a good friend or a pastor at church or somebody, but then come home and just be mom or be dad. Yeah. Your kids will be okay. Um, it's really about the quality of parenting. Not so much the structure of your household. Oh, you're missing a, a parent in your home. Your kids are going to be sunk. No, not true. I'm so thankful that you pointed that out because I could see where people could have gotten led astray. Um, and, you know, I think and I know like when I work with people, they're couples. And so they co-parent. And my big message yep. is. It's the conflict that's yes. going to hurt you're right. children. If you can be divorced and co-parent together and not have all that, um, you know. Animosity. Yes. Yeah. yes. Lisa, just this week, our the Family Life Blended podcast that I do, our most recent podcast that came out here early November 2021 is all about co-parenting. We've, we've, we've done a number of programs on that theme. And the one that released this week is with a co-parenting expert. And there's so many good, valuable little truths in there. And you're you're right. It is about trying to set aside your pain from the marriage that came yes. apart and now be parents. That's a really difficult thing to do. But if you can segregate those two th parts of you, either the personal that was related to the pain of the marriage past from the parenting of the yes. parenting present, th then you're going to find some success. You're going to be more cooperative and your kids are going to win in the process. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking or I can't believe how fast this went. But, Ron, I think what I will do is connect that podcast in our show notes, because okay. I think that is going to be a really great addition mm -hmm. to what we're talking about here. But the bottom line is, is that if you are going into another marriage and blending families, you can do it. You can do it well, but just like everything else, it takes work mm -hmm. and it can be hard. And mm -hmm. just prepare, prepare, yeah. prepare. That's a good word. It really is. You know, I'll just offer one more practical yes, please. idea. Actually, I'll give you two. Okay. If we sure. have time. <laughs> um, one is manage your own fear when you start dating again and thinking about the future and making a new commitment, manage your fear. And the second tip is bring your kids along with you in the dating process. So let me flesh those out. Manage your own fear. One of the things uh, I did some research with um, a world renowned researcher where we looked at couples forming blended families. What, pre what predicted whether they had great marriages or lousy ones? You ready for this? Yes. The presence of fear of another breakup. Oh my gosh. Uh, my first marriage fell apart. I didn't see that coming. It was so hard and painful. Now I love you, but I'm not sure I trust you. I sort of do and I sort of don't. In most days I do, but some days my fear is you're going to leave me just like the last person did. 
or this thing's going to come undone. Happy today, sad tomorrow. Living with that fear predicted with 93% accuracy, whether couples had a great marriage and a blended family or a lousy one. Wow. And the reason for that is because it cascades negativity. Like, so yeah. because I'm sort of fearful that you're going to be like the last one, I start looking for things. I and mean, now you get into this self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I think you're untrustworthy. So you didn't tell me about that $10 you spent the other day. So now I believe you are untrustworthy. Yeah. You know, it seems like, man, it just, I ask you about your day, but you never asked me about my, do you not care about me like you used to? Like those little things become big things that yep. then unwind your love and trust for one another. So be careful of that. When you're dating and you notice that fear pop up in you, look yourself in the mirror and say, what's going on? And now I want to encourage you to put words on what you're feeling. Because a lot of people just kind of push it down. Eh, it's not a big deal. No, no, no. You need to know what that is. What is this fear? What is it I'm concerned or worried about? Put words on it so you can begin to deal with it and decide whether you're going to live uh, a victim of that fear Right. Or whether you're going to push through it and and risk and trust in ways that will help you actually find love. That's the irony. Yeah. When you live in fear of being hurt, you tend to do things that lead to you being hurt. Let me say that again. When you live in fear of being hurt, you tend to do things that actually contribute to you eventually being hurt. So the you have to push through fear and love in ways that you would not d do if you were fearful. Right. It's really hard to do, but this is how you overcome that fear and, again, find a relationship that stands on its own. Well, and this is something that I love, too, because part of what I do is I try to coach. I want people to be in a better place Good. when they're done with this divorce. I don't want this to happen to them again. Mm -hmm. right. And part of that is thought work. And so I can add this piece on yes. to clients and let them know and prepare them. I've got podcasts and experts mm -hmm. and videos on how to do the thought work to deal with that fear. So That's great. thank you for that, because I can send them out the door gently with that information. One more little tip. This is about bringing your kids along with you in dating. Yeah, that was um, interesting to me. Yeah. So in the book, Dating and the Single Parent, I flesh out this whole process where you basically have what I call what if conversations over time with your children in order to keep checking in with them to hear what's going on with them and to educate them about what's coming. So here's the way this works. Hey, guys, um, I don't know. I've been thinking about it a while. I'm thinking about dating again. What if I did that? How would you guys feel about that? Here's what's happening in that moment. Your kids look at you like, okay, that's great. Some of them say, that's fine. Go for it, dad. You know, we love you. It'll be good. By the way, kids will say those things and they really mean it. But the minute you start dating, it brings up some concern that they have, some fear that they have. Well, what does this mean for mom? How does this change things for us? What what happened if we get a new stepmom? My best friend just got a new stepmom and she hates her. I don't know. I don't want that for my family. So they will be back and forth, hot and cold. Love the idea of you dating. Hate the idea of you dating. Get used to it. All right. Be prepared for that. Don't just say, well, they love it. So everything must be fine. Nope. That's not the way life works. It's far more complicated than that. But when by asking the what if conversation, you got a little feedback. One kid right. says, great, do it. Another kid says, over my dead body, do I want you dating anybody else? You just got some information. You don't have to fight it. You're not kind of combat that in your children. Don't argue with them. Listen. Okay, tell me what concerns you about the idea of me dating? Yeah. 
Now you've got a conversation going on about their fear, about their needs, Mm -hmm. about their issue somehow wrapped in the middle of that. My guess is they've already been through a lot of grief and sadness and they don't want to go through any more and it just feels off to them. Or maybe they're hoping that you and mom will get back together again. Whatever that is, you need to know it. It helps you make decisions about moving forward. But let's say the conversation went pretty well and they're like, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Hey guys, want you to let you know, I'm going out with this person on Friday night. I'll let you, you know, we'll talk afterwards. Um, you go out once, twice, then you say to your kids, what if I were to keep going out with this person? How would you feel about that? What do you think of her so far? What's going on with you? Uh, what do you think about the idea of me dating you know, kind of just going steady. That's what we used to call it when I was a kid, going steady. What do you guys think about that? Now you get more information. You're staying in tune and in touch with your children. See, what's happening behind the scenes here is you're giving your children some voice. So far in their family, they've had very little voice over major circumstances in their life. Giving them some voice and tracking with them helps them feel cared for, seen, acknowledged, You're not putting them in control of your dating life. That's not what I'm saying. You are listening and being influenced by where they are and who they are. The last thing you want to do is inadvertently run off and leave your kids emotionally by dating somebody else. And you didn't realize how disconnected you were from what your children feel. What if I dated them on a regular basis? What if we were to get engaged? What if we were to get married? You're not asking their permission. You're simply informing them. Guess what? This may be happening. It's time for you and I to figure out how to how to do this. I feel like that is going to give you some information on another big question. When do they meet? That's right. You know? Yeah. And we have some guidelines in the book. You know, things like the age of the child makes a difference. Let me tell you a, a caution. Children under the age of five can bond with your dating partner faster than you do. Wow. It's true. That is so, so good. To you know. got a three-year-old and you go, oh my goodness, you know, they, they he comes over and he hangs out and we play games and, and, uh, well, are you serious about the, dating this guy? Nah, it's just sort of fun. Well, guess what? Your three-year-old fell in love with him already. And so when you break this off, you just gave another loss to your child. Like you really got to be careful with young ones because they, they have these, this huge attachment in their heart that they just reach out to other people and pull them in close. Yeah. So be careful. The opposite end of that is children between 10 and 15. They have the hardest time uh, uh, bringing a new step parent figure into their world and their life. Uh, young adult children are sort of like, and yeah, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not looking for a parent figure. I'm on my own, but they're still trying to figure out the whole friend thing. How can I yeah. be friends with dad's new dating partner or wife? And so there's still some concern there about relationship, but they're not looking for a parent. So it depends on age of child, depends on their previous experiences. Have they already had two stepdads and both of them were mean? Guess what? You as number three stepdad, you're going to have a mountain to climb. You know, so it's hard to just pin it down and say it's going to take this long or you should introduce this new partner in this amount of time. You need to take the big picture into consideration and the specifics about your your child. In general, I tell people, be careful, be cautious. Don't introduce too soon. You need to have a little sense that this is somebody you want to hang out with some more before you start introducing your kids to them in a way where they're spending time together. Well, sure, they met at the door when somebody came to pick you up or you went to pick them up. You met, but we're talking about intentional time together. Um, That's something you want to be careful with unless you feel like there's some potential to the to the relationship to begin with. Well, and Ron, I feel like 
all that information is going to be in your books. It is. It and is. It, and and, and people can like, dive in. Yes. We've got yeah. nuggets for people, but that mm -hmm. they really need to, this is a big deal and they need yeah. to follow through. And so I will, like I said, I will have this in the show no notes, but how do people find you if they just want to? Yeah. appreciate you asking. So come to my personal webpage, smartstepfamilies.com, smartstepfamilies.com. There you will find everything I've got my hand in. Uh, all the different uh, products that are available, the online articles that are free. Yes, that's the word free. We have some <laughs> virtual classes, all kinds of different possibilities. I'm getting into virtual groups for engaged couples, forming blended families. We're oh, going to start that after the first of the year. Yeah, so there's all kinds of possibilities there that people can tap into. Video courses, online courses, all kinds of things. Um, I also work with an organization called Family Life. That's sort of my home base, but smartstepfamilies.com will get you connected to the things I do through various channels. That's a good okay. place to start. Well, I appreciate that. And I just say, listeners, find him, especially if you're you know, going to blend a family because there is a lot to this and it can be a beautiful thing That's as right. long as you prepare. So Ron, thank you. I so appreciate you being here, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. It was so fun to learn. I've learned so many things that are going to even help me personally. So I oh, always good. love that, but help me as a professional mediator and help my clients and the listeners. So we appreciate your time. Lisa, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ron. It was nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. Bye. -bye. Thank you so much for joining us, and come back next week when we interview the Love Factually author Duana Welch, and we talk about the science behind dating. <laughs>